Welcome to the Bitcoin Boomer Show. Here's your host, the Bitcoin Boomer himself, Gary Leland. Hello, and welcome to the Bitcoin Boomer Show. I'm your host, Gary Leland, a.k.a. the Bitcoin Boomer. We've got a great show for you today. Our special guest is Greg Foss. But before we go on to Greg, I want to tell you a little story about my July 4th weekend. July 4th, we had a party in the neighborhood. Someone had a party at the clubhouse, and many of the residents of the neighborhood came down to celebrate. Eat hot dogs, eat barbecue, regular stuff you do on July 4th. While we were there, an older gentleman, I'm going to say about 72 or 3, a boomer like myself, except I'm a little younger, came up to my wife and asked her what I did for a living. And she told him I was into Bitcoin. I did Bitcoin conferences, Bitcoin educational, wrote a book, blah, 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 blah. And he spoke to her and he said, well, does he have money invested in that? And she said, sure, we have quite a bit invested in Bitcoin. And he goes, well, you know, that's all going to go to zero. It's not worth anything. It's just make-believe money. I hope that if it goes to zero, it won't stop or change your lifestyle. And she goes, if it goes to zero, we'll be okay. But I appreciate your advice. Then after the conference was, after the party was over, she came over and told me about the conversation. Nice guy, I know who he is. But the fact is he's uneducated on Bitcoin, like most boomers. He knows about financial markets. Maybe he knows about stocks and bonds. Maybe he knows about gold and silver. But he doesn't know about Bitcoin, or he would have never made those statements. To say it's not backed by anything is like saying gold is not backed by anything. What is gold? It's just a piece of metal out of the ground. How about silver? Just a piece of metal out of the ground. What is it backed by? Nothing except itself. And Bitcoin is pretty much the same way. It's backed by the computer network that runs Bitcoin. Now, on this show, our job is to educate you on Bitcoin, and we try to bring great guests on the show to help us do that, people that maybe know more than I do, even. On today's show, as I said, we have Greg Foss. He has 35 years in the markets of trading. He's a smart guy and a funny guy, and pretty much a Bitcoin maximalist like myself. He believes there are 10,000 cryptocurrencies and one Bitcoin. They're not even the same thing. So we'll be right back after this word from our sponsor with Greg Fossey, and I promise you, you're gonna laugh and you're gonna learn something. So make sure and tell your friends also to join us for this show. We wanna get this show growing, so anything you can do to help us will be appreciated. Be right back. Okay, guys, this is Gary Leland, the Bitcoin Boomer, and you need to come here if you want to find out what Bitcoin is, if you want to just meet some great people and have a great time, come to BitBlock Boom. But there's one thing, you have to be a Bitcoiner. We don't allow us your coiners. Last week in August, every year, moving to Austin. Yeah, I love coming to Bitblock Boom because it's like it's like Mecca for Bitcoiners. Like everybody here is like part of the hardcore, like inner sanctum. Um, you just have these conversations with everybody where like you can see it in their eyes that they believe the same things that you believe. You come to Bitblock Boom once, you're gonna come every year. Speakers are great, the networking is great, because you know that's really what it's about when you're uh, a Bitcoiner, especially when you're a new Bitcoiner you want to network with as many Bitcoiners as you can and learn because there's so much information, not only about Bitcoin, but about money in general. 
Hey, so I'm down here at Biplock Boom, and what energy, what a lot of fun. It's all Bitcoiners and uh, just good people. That's the one thing that, that all my interactions that I've had with people, you can tell you're just dealing with a culture of people that just want to make the world a better place. So if you want to come to a Bitcoiner conference, not a crypto conference or a shitcoiner conference, if you want to come to a Bitcoin conference, you would come to Bitblock Boom. But like I said, don't even mess with it. Don't even think about it. Don't even attempt to buy a ticket if you're a shitcoiner because your money's going to come back and you'll just make us both work. But if you're a Bitcoiner, you need to sign up and come to Austin now. Come to Bitblock Boom. Hello, and welcome back to the Bitcoin Boomer Show. I'm your host, Gary Leland, and thanks for sticking with us during that little break there. This is the show where we talk about Bitcoin and try to educate you about Bitcoin, whether you're a boomer or not. You don't have to be a boomer to watch this show, but I'm a boomer, so I'll take care of the boomering for all of us. Now, today I have a great guest on our show. I have Greg Foss. Greg, welcome to the show. What a pleasure to be here, my friend and a fellow boomer. Fellow boomer. I thought you were a boomer, but I didn't want to throw that out there because some people get in, some boomers get insulted about being called a boomer even. I've seen that before, but welcome to the show, Greg. Before we get started, please give everybody kind of a quick rundown or a bio. It doesn't have to be quick, but let everybody know who you are for those who aren't familiar with you. Sure. Hi. Uh, well, thanks for having me, Gar. Um, yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. I just break into the boomer category. I was born in 1963. I'm a Canadian. Uh, grew up in Montreal and uh, went to McGill University uh, as an engineer. Now, the important thing to remember is uh, I was not a great engineer, but I understood math and I liked mathematics. But after uh, four years of engineering, I knew I didn't want to be a practicing engineer, and I was lucky enough to be accepted as a, a graduate student at Cornell University in Ithaca, New York, a fine Ivy League institution in the USA, as you guys know. And that was a seminal point in my life because uh, not only did I experience uh, the cultural differences between our two countries, but I met some amazing Americans who to this day remain very close friends. Uh, and I became a financial engineer. Uh, so two years of an MBA, financial engineering was my focus. I could have worked on Wall Street. I had some opportunities, but I decided to return to the uh, Canadian version of Wall Street uh, called Bay Street and made my living trading credit. Now, it's very important for the listeners to understand that credit is the most important market in the world far more important than equities. It's also far bigger than equities. But most people don't understand the correlation and the relationship between credit and equity. So I always come at everything with a credit lens. Now, final statement, credit ranks as a prior claim in the capital structure over an equity. So that's to say that if a corporation has bonds or debt outstanding and it's publicly traded or privately traded the equity is a subordinate claim so you better know what's going on in the credit markets if you own a subordinate claim to the debt and most equity investors have no clue 
what's going on with the prior claim or the senior claim, that being the debt, and they get trampled when the debt guys like me use the equity as cannon fodder to hedge our positions in the senior claim. So very important to remember, credit markets run the world. So you're not just uh, another guy in his basement that uh, started mining some Bitcoin and uh, said, oh, I, I think I can do something with this. You come from a financial background. You I mean, obviously, uh, with your education, you know what you're talking about. So we can kind of heed your advice, at least ways as coming from an expert, I would say. Um, I, I'm pretty confident on that. I appreciate what I may be an expert in is 35 years of mistakes. Okay. But that being said, I've made mistakes over 35 years, but I survived them because I like to think I'm a good risk manager. And that's to say that if you are in a losing position, you cut your losses. And if you're in a winning position, you don't sell your winner. You actually harvest your winner. Most people do exactly the opposite. Uh, our good friend Shifty Peter Schiff uh, heard about Bitcoin when it was at $10 uh, US per coin and has been forever bashing it. Uh, the smart thing for Shifty Peter to have done was to change his investment guidelines or investment thesis as the information changed. Uh, he's a horrible risk manager. He's admitted it to me on a debate I had with him. I'll just tell you, uh, boomers need to change their thes investment thesis when the information changes. And you and I grew up with a rotary dial telephone, Gary. Uh, it takes a while for us to get through the, the information to get through our thick heads, okay? But the reality is Bitcoin is the most beautiful financial technology that I have ever seen in my 35 years of managing risk. It is the best asymmetric return opportunity I have ever seen. And some of these other stupid old boomers, myself included, when I first heard about Bitcoin, I believed what the newspaper narratives were writing. At least I did my research. I went down the rabbit hole. I have never been more confident that Bitcoin is the solution to the Fiat Ponzi you gave me a lot to uh, kind of unpack there. First, I don't understand what you mean by when you have a winner harvested. Can you explain that to me real quick? Because I don't understand what you're saying there. So I guess what it means is you ride your winner. You harvest it, meaning uh, you 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 uh, you don't cut your you don't cut your winner from the to, to, to the extent of a harvest. I guess what it means is you ride your winners. You cut your losers, you ride your winners. When I, what I should have said was you, you grow with your winners, right? What human nature is, is to be able to go to a cocktail party and say, oh, I bought Google at X dollars and I sold it at 2X. The problem is Google is now 100X and everyone's a hero at a cocktail party. And they never talk about their losers, right? So that's human nature is to sell your winners and hold your losers in hopes that your losing position will come back to be a winner. Uh, I'll tell you what, that's the hardest part about managing risk and managing money is to focus on cutting your losers. That, that, and that's the hardest part, I think, too, is um, you're down that much and you're just praying, going, gosh, it's going to come back a little bit. I don't want to lose while I'm down this much. But 
Let's unpack your next statement there. Uh, we've got uh, about three minutes left in this segment here. Shifty Peter Shift. I mean, he's been bashing Bitcoin since it was $10, telling everybody who he advises or listens to him not to buy it. Today, we're sitting at over 20,000. It's been as high as in the 60s. And the whole time, he was telling people not to buy it from 10,000 up. Now, from what I understand, he has a bank in uh, Puerto Rico that's been taken away, being taken away from him. Um, so I don't think, just from my simple-minded look and view, he's much of a financial advisor. I, I, I need to p people to understand that he admitted on a debate with me that he did not care about his fiduciary responsibility to manage risk. That's not what you look for in a financial advisor. If your advisor or manager does not care about your money and your risk profile, I suggest you go out and find another financial advisor. Let's focus on what Bitcoin is, though. It is basically the best hedge against the Fiat Ponzi. Now, Shifty Pete and I both agree about the the Fiat Ponzi, he just refuses to uh, evaluate the intrinsic properties of Bitcoin that are better than gold. And that's a big problem because he is myopic in that extent and he's going to cost his unit holders a lot of money over time. Oh, gold's been going down like everything has lately. So it's not like the, which is the item he pushes or he directs everybody to invest in. So it's not like that's held up over this market any better than anything else, I would say. So I would not uh, call that something that you want to like put a lot of money into. I think gold, while it, it does have some properties uh, that are more v better than the U.S. dollar, I'm not going to say that it's the best uh, property to hold on to, nor is it anything compared to Bitcoin. Try hauling all your money when you were in Hong Kong and you were trying to get out, if you had a, a safe full of gold, trying hauling that out of China, you know, with you as you left, or in the case, which we'll talk about later, the uh, Canadian truck drivers whose accounts all got froze, you know, but we're going to come back with all that after this uh, commercial break here. So I appreciate all of y'all joining us. Greg Foss, great guy, knowledgeable guy, someone who's speaking from experience long experience, maybe the longest experience in financial markets anyone we've had on this show. So please stick with us right after this word from our sponsor. And welcome back to the Bitcoin Boomer Show. I'm your host, Gary Leland, joined today by Greg Foss, my good friend, Greg Foss. Now, Greg, let's quit. I guess we can quit bashing uh, Peter. Let's go on to something that's more productive. But before we get any further, I do need to ask you one question. I do ask everybody, what is your orange pill moment, your Bitcoin story? How did you find out or understand what got you into Bitcoin? Wow, great question. So uh, I was, uh, as I mentioned, I grew up in Montreal and uh, there was a, a mutual friend uh, that was trying to start up a Bitcoin closed and traded fund that uh, was to trade on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Now, we were successful in that endeavor. I'm jumping ahead a little bit. But initially, when I agreed to meet him in Montreal, I was skeptical about Bitcoin. As everyone 
you read what you read in the papers, you hear about Mount Gox. This was back in 2016. And luckily, I sat at uh, a, a restaurant with him and I listened to the story and, you know, I got some of the uh, salient points. Well, there's only 21 million. It's decentralized. It's based on mathematics and code. But the aha moment for me, Gary, was when he showed me the blockchain in action, the Bitcoin blockchain in action with transactions and the mempool and the block and the block rewards on a uh, on the the web uh, I, we use tradeblock.com as the uh, as the uh, visual but I'm an engineer and I'm very visual I was like oh my god this thing is alive it's a breathing beautiful technology that's functioning right in front of my eyes and so my aha moment was when I saw the blockchain functioning and the hashes going across and the transactions and the mempool. And I'm like, all in. I said, this is the solution to the Fiat Ponzi that I'd been looking for for literally 30 years since I graduated and started working at Canada's largest financial institution, the Royal Bank of Canada, in 1988. And I'll just summarize with one thing. In 1988, the Royal Bank of Canada was insolvent, which is to say that the value of its loans, if you marked it to market, the value of their loans was lower and the losses on the loans was higher than the book value of equity. Royal Bank of Canada was insolvent on its way to bankruptcy in 1988 due to the Latin American debt crisis. So I've been searching for this and that's why I'm so happy to find Bitcoin in 2016. Well, Bitcoin pretty much is a Ponzi scheme. I mean, not Bitcoin, the dollar, the US dollar, the Canadian dollar, whatever fiat money, it's all a Ponzi scheme um, when you get down to it. So sorry, I missed <laughs> there and said Bitcoin. But um, so I do understand that completely and agree with you 100% on that. Now. Um, one more question I do ask everybody on the show in your terms, in your voice, in your mind, explain what is Bitcoin? Okay. Bitcoin is very simply a decentralized network that allows the transfer of in my opinion, digital energy from person to person or peer to peer anywhere in the world. And it will settle on chain in 10 minutes. Now, there are layer two and layer three applications, such as the Lightning Network, that allow those uh, settlement times to be instantaneous, excuse me, instantaneous. But at its base, at its layer one, Bitcoin is based on a decentralized ne uh, network where there is no CEO, there is nobody controlling this network, except for nodes and miners all around the world. And the most beautiful thing is, Gary, the reality of central banking causing all the problems in our financial world, in my opinion, Bitcoin solves the problem of central bank shenanigans. So you have now some countries like uh, 
El Salvador, for instance, I think the Central Republic of Africa, I mean, small countries actually starting to invest in Bitcoin as their currency, um, which was not expected by many to happen for a long time, but it's happening quicker, I guess, than many expected. Do you think we'll keep seeing that progress and uh, that is the start of fixing the money? Because as you know, Bitcoin fixes everything. I do actually, um, as you know, I'm involved in a power company in Canada. Uh, I believe again, that Bitcoin is best described as digital energy, okay? A monetary store of value, uh, an ability to transfer the value of your work energy over time and space to be consumed in the future. Now, why it's uh, important for me is because an engineer, you're ingrained with the first law of thermodynamics, which is uh, the conservation, the concept of conservation of energy. But as you mentioned, there's some small countries that uh, that have embraced Bitcoin as legal tender. I believe that trend will continue. And I believe it will continue when a large energy producing nation that is sick of being a hostage of the petrodollar decides to price their valuable natural resource energy in digital energy or Bitcoin. It only makes sense, right? From the concept, uh, from the perception of, a, of an engineer. Why would you sell your valuable natural resource energy for petrodollar fiat? that can be debased and actually can be taken away from you or restricted in the case that Russia is uh, experiencing right now uh, by the US financial system and the SWIFT system, et cetera. So Bitcoin is digital energy. I believe over time, natural resource rich countries, including potentially Canada, will realize that it's much smarter to price and store the value that they have exported for their energy, store in the present value in digital energy so that over time, that energy is conserved so that you can utilize it in the future when you need it. Uh, Very simply, Gary, it will happen with larger and larger countries. Is Canada the first G7 nation that will adopt Bitcoin? I'm not certain, but I do know this. Canada has sold all of their gold reserves. We have zero gold reserves. It would probably be smart, in my opinion, if Canada decided to use uh, or at least uh, embrace Bitcoin as a a treasury reserve asset. And this is where I think it's going to go in the future. I think gold will be become less important as a treasury reserve asset. I'm certain that US treasury bonds, which have been being reduced over time by central banks like China, Japan, and Russia, they will replace that with Bitcoin. Will they integrate it with their energy infrastructure and energy uh, uh, natural resource uh, uh, benefit? I think they may. But Bitcoin's only 13 years old. Lots of potential outcomes to come, but it's silly cheap on a price basis, in my opinion, because once you do the math to figure out what it means if larger countries embrace Bitcoin as a reserve asset, wow, 
that's when the math gets exciting. And, and your uh, th- talk there, your part of your conversation there, when you talked about a energy company or energy producing state nation, uh, why would they want to hold their fiat, their, their, their profits, what they make on selling their product in fiat that can be taken away and debased is a really good remark. And I want to talk about that hypothetically with the country in particular that there are rumors about buying Bitcoin when we get back from this uh, word from our sponsor. So stay tuned while I ask Greg a hypothetical question, but maybe it's a real question about a country buying Bitcoin that sells a lot of energy. Because, Greg, that makes sense, what you're saying. If you're selling something and you have a lot of it, you don't want it debased. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. And welcome back to the Bitcoin Boomer Show. I'm your host, Gary Leland, the Bitcoin Boomer, joined by Greg Foss. Greg, now, before we left, you had finished up with telling us um, your thoughts on uh, energy-producing country wanting to be paid in Bitcoin instead of a, a fiat currency. Now, I've seen rumors and statements about Saudi Arabia buying Bitcoin. Now, Saudi Arabia sells a lot of energy, sells a lot of oil. They probably have a lot of U.S. dollars, the petrodollar, in their bank account that's worth less every year. So what would, I'm not asking if they're doing that or not, because none of us really know, but what would happen, do you think, if it was announced within the next year that Saudi Arabia not only had Bitcoin, but we're now saying if you want to buy oil, you need to pay us in Bitcoin? I think the price would uh, explode to over half a million dollars per Bitcoin, but that's only because I've done the math. And in an event where Bitcoin becomes 5% of global financial assets, which in the event that the world's largest oil exporter, Saudi Arabia, uh, decides to price their product in Bitcoin, Uh, people would be scrambling to get a percentage of their global assets in Bitcoin. So at 5% of global financial assets, the price of Bitcoin is over 2 million US dollars per Bitcoin in today's dollars. Well, what would happen if Saudi Arabia makes the announcement? It wouldn't go directly to $2 million per Bitcoin. But I'm thinking that people that do the grade 11 math, just like I just did for you, they would realize, boy, I better get some, and I think the price spike would be monumental. So do you think there's a chance, I'm not saying within the next year, do you think there's a chance that a country will do that, is what you're saying? They will finally say, I need to be paid in Bitcoin. Forget this fiat. I don't care if it's coming from China, Russia, or U.S. It's all worth less, and I got a buttload of it. Yeah, it'll probably be, in my opinion, it won't be Saudi Arabia, Gary, because, you know, the petrodollar uh, system came about because of a a guarantee for the USA to uh, defend Saudi Arabia as long as Saudi Arabia priced their oil in uh, U.S. dollars. Uh, It's most likely to come from a country like Russia. I think you've seen uh, Mr. Putin. Regardless, I do not agree with what he's doing uh, in the in Ukraine. I do not agree with his policies in general, but I do know that he's quite a crafty individual that is not a friend of the USA. 
So why should he hold U.S. dollars uh, on his reserve uh, uh, as Treasury reserves, especially when, as he just experienced this year, his $600 billion of U.S. Treasuries were frozen so that he couldn't get access to them and couldn't sell them to fund his desires for, uh, you know, expanding his empire, let's just say. Uh, it's, it's, it's coming. It's going to happen. I don't know when. It's hard for me to, you know, one of the old adages in trading, give a target price, but never a time or give a direction, but never a target price. So over time, I think the price of Bitcoin goes up. And if you ask me a target price, my target price for Bitcoin is over $2 million US. And what? you'll say, well, when? <laughs> and I'll say, within my lifetime. And if it's not within my lifetime, it's within my kid's lifetime. And don't forget that price target is in today's dollars. Oh, good don't point. think this people, if you own zero Bitcoin, you're the knucklehead at the party. And the guy that dissed you and said, you know, this thing is going to zero. Listen, clean out your ears, you stupid old boomer. Okay, listen to other boomers who have done the work. <laughs> Don't hold zero Bitcoin. Yeah, uh, really. It's, it's kind of like Satoshi Nakamoto said. You might want to get some of that just in case. Just in case this turns out to be something. Hey, I want to talk to you, switch targets a little bit here, and talk to you about everything that happened in Canada recently with the truck drivers blocking the bridge, um, you know, their bank accounts started being frozen, which is mind boggling to me that because you're protesting, someone can take away your money, but it's, it's really not that mind boggling since it's not your money to begin with, you're only being allowed to use it. But they went to Bitcoin and people started donating in Bitcoin. I want to cover that part of it, not the, not the trucker strike, why they did it, but how Bitcoin came into play. Yeah, so uh, to, I was quite uh, close to that whole process. Um, first of all, let me say this. Yeah, let's not talk about it wasn't a protest uh, 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 for the vax mandate, in my opinion, as much as a, uh, a convoy for freedom. And what happened is uh, trucks from both sides of Canada uh, decided they were going to congregate on Ottawa, which is in, in central Canada. Um, and that's where our houses of parliament are. And so they came from both sides of the nation and they were being funded using GoFundMe, the centralized fundraising platform that is fairly popular amongst, uh, you know, everybody these days. Uh, there's three Canadians that know Bitcoin very well that uh, decided that we thought it would be smart for them to uh, also get donations from the Bitcoin community, once again, for freedom, okay? Bitcoin is freedom. Why not take donations in the freedom money? Anyway, uh, a young man by the name of Ben Sessions, you know him as BTC Sessions in Western Canada, started up a TallyCoin fund platform. And two Canadians, uh, uh, myself and Jeff Booth, who were somewhat well-known in this, particularly Jeff, very well-known in the Bitcoin community, we endorsed it as a, as a proper fundraise where all the proceeds would go to the Canadian truckers. And fast forward, within about two weeks of us starting this, GoFundMe got frozen uh, and the Bitcoin platform became the go-to funding source 
And there was a, a young man, boots on the ground in Ottawa, that did God's work to distribute the Bitcoin to the truckers. Uh, his name on on uh, uh, Twitter is at Nobody Caribou. His first name is Nick. Uh, there's a great Bitcoin Magazine article about it this past uh, this month. Uh, I'll just say this: the important thing to remember is that Bitcoin is about freedom. And the truckers were demonstrating their desire to have freedom. Now, if you had asked me three years ago, if within the next 20 years, so three years ago, 2019, if before the year 2039, would I ever think that the Canadian government would freeze Canadian bank accounts? I would have said, yeah, it's possible but probably a 25% likelihood over that time period. Well, guess what? Three years later, it was 100% certain that the maniacs that are running the Canadian parliament froze the bank accounts of hardworking Canadians because the government didn't agree with the protests. Very unviolent protests, very peaceful and law-abiding protests that the government decided to freeze the bank accounts. It's a horrible situation, but it was a very valuable use case for Bitcoin. So I think uh, the world should take note. And just an aside, uh, Jeff Booth and I met a young lady from the Ukraine that used a Bitcoin funding platform for her efforts in the Ukraine because she saw what the governments can do. And she was out uh, purchasing bulletproof vests, et cetera, for the soldiers in the Ukraine to defend their country against an aggressor using a Bitcoin platform because of what she saw in Canada. So everything sometimes goes in full circle, but yes, that was a very valuable use case and also a very big red flag because if the Canadian government can freeze bank accounts, I promise you every other democracy in the world will try the same thing if they have to. Well, and that was a great job on BTC Sessions, a good guy. And um, Jeff is coming to our conference, BitBlock Boom. Uh, so I can't wait to meet him in person. I didn't know he was from Canada. So uh, another Canadian there. So we're going to come back and talk. When we come back, I hope you're up on this about uh, in, the, in Europe, the um, truck driver or the farmers in the Netherlands. I want to talk about that, and do you think we're going to have the same kind of thing happen there? But we'll talk about that in a minute when we get back from our commercial break there. So stick tuned, stay tuned, and we'll see you in a minute. Welcome back to the Bitcoin Boomer Show. I'm your host. Gary Leland, joined by Greg Foss. Greg, okay, now we've, we've talked about the truckers. We didn't talk about it a lot, but we got into it. But now we kind of have something happen in the Netherlands. Are you familiar with the farmers up there and their tractor protests? Do you think we're going to see the same, or is it possible we're going to see the same thing happen there? Because of their protests, they're going to follow cue from how Canada did it, take away their funds, because they're, they're losing everything as it is, so they might as well take away their money. And then uh, Bitcoin's going to come in to help save the day or help, help them out at least ways. I, everything's possible. I, I think that the, uh, what I did not understand about the Netherlands is that they are the uh, largest agricultural exporter in, uh, in the European Union. 
don't I, I I saw that statistic. I have not confirmed it, but nonetheless, yes, they are very important agricultural contributors to uh, to the food basket or the bread basket uh, of Central Europe. Um, if everything's possible, I mean, these protests are about you know government overreach and essentially. Uh, government overreach might include the desire for the government uh, on behalf of political uh, players to uh, to hit back and, and freeze these the accounts of these uh, farmers. Everything's possible. Uh, I, I'm going to take it one step even farther than that, Gary. I just saw a headline that came across uh, from the Wall Street Journal while I've been on this show with you that France is natural nationalizing the uh, power uh, company EDP, which means, uh, and I'm just looking at it right here. Um, actually, I can't, uh, I can't see it right now. But the, the point is, when the countries start nationalizing industry to, uh, to, you know, to deal with uh, problems, well, well, what does that mean? Well, they're taking it away from the public, right? Uh, and, um, you know, taking farmers' livelihoods away is essentially the same sort of thing. Uh, government overreach needs to be uh, battled with a decentralized uh, store of value like Bitcoin, which cannot be confisca confiscated, which cannot be frozen by the government, which can be distributed and sent anywhere in the world without a centralized authority because Bitcoin has no centralized authority. All of these other digital assets have a degree of centralization that can be thought of like a central bank or centralized authority. Don't ever mistake the difference between Bitcoin and all the other digital assets out there that I like to call and the community calls shit coins, okay? Bitcoin is the only digital asset that solves the fiat Ponzi. Why? Because it is truly decentralized. It is truly secure. And most importantly, it is a store of energy. A store of your time and energy that you can keep and transfer over time and space for consumption in the future. Very simple. The Fiat Ponzi does not do that for you. The Fiat Ponzi punishes you for holding Fiat over time and space because it debases. As you said, there is one Bitcoin and there are 20,000 shitcoins. And the two should never be confused because there is there can be only one, as uh, as the, the movie says, and that is Bitcoin. Hey, before we get out of here, because we don't have a lot of time left, I do want to ask you about a statement uh, on your website. Bitcoin is an IQ test in risk management. Um, I like the statement. Could you go over that real quick? Sure. Much like we talked about, uh, you know, some of the shortcomings of uh, legacy financial uh planners like uh, Peter Schiff or even Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, okay? Uh, perhaps Munger and Buffett are smarter than Shifty Pete, uh, and, and they understand the challenge that Bitcoin would be to their holdings of banks like Bank of America and Wells Fargo and American Express. But again, Bitcoin is 
a hedge to the Fiat Ponzi. And Buffett and Munger don't want the Fiat Ponzi to end because it's what's enriched them over time. As you know, Munger's called uh, Bitcoin rat poison and, uh, and Warren called it rat poison squared. You know why Bitcoin is rat poison, people? Because fiat money is the rat, okay? You need to own Bitcoin as insurance against the rat. And the rat is fiat. Over time, if you own zero Bitcoin and it goes to the price that I am anticipating, you won't have two wooden nickels to rub together compared to the wealth that's been generated in the Bitcoin ecosystem. You need to participate in that. And I'm not saying put 100% of your money in Bitcoin because I don't have 100% of my money in. What I do have is enough that will protect me and return the asymmetric potential that my X percent, which is greater than zero, will be just fine to protect my family and my kids in the future. That's what's called risk management. And that's why Bitcoin is a, an IQ test in risk management. Very good. And you have a, we have about three minutes here. So could you uh, finish this out by telling people where they can follow you, um, to make any appearances anywhere, where they're going to be? How do people keep up with you, Greg? Well, it's a pleasure to be on your show, Gary. And I, I, you know, you and I first met at the Bitcoin conference 2021. Uh, I was lucky enough to be on stage that year. And I was on stage again this year at Bitcoin Miami uh, 2022 uh, with four billionaires, believe it or not. I was a, moderating a panel with four billionaires. And the way I got some sort of notoriety was through Twitter. Now, that's my best uh, distribution platform. Uh, at Foss, Greg Foss, but I'm very proud to be part of another educational platform out there called lookingglasseducation.com. I am very, very pleased to be part of a free education platform that tells the truth about the Fiat Ponzi that you will never learn in school because they can't tell you that the banking system is regularly insolvent or else no one would deposit their money in a bank thinking it is safe. The only reason a bank is safe is because the Fed can backstop the banks to be too big to fail and therefore bail them out as they continuously do. That doesn't make fiat money a good store of value because they just print more of it. So you got to learn. Go to lookingglasseducation.com. Follow me on Twitter. Go to Gary's conference. I'm so sorry I won't be there this year. Family uh, commitments at that time of year. But brother, I'm a brother in arms with you to try and educate us stupid old white boomers who have caused all the problems in the world of finance today as we are experiencing. Well, you know, boomers came into power and they've kept power and they're not trying, they're not going to give it up real easy. And they're going to do what they're used to doing for a long time until it bites them in the ass and they have a reason to switch over probably. Um, so, so, Greg, real quickly, you know, I want to get into this. I know you don't have it in place and it's going to be less than a minute you have to go over this. Um, can you tell us about your mining thing you told me about. Can we go into that a little bit there with how you bring in a jet engine or you're making a jet engine to use as a generator and you got like a minute to do this? 
So okay, here we go, real quick. Uh, this these uh, units are manufactured in Woodlands, Texas, the Woodlands, uh, and it's basically a jet engine on the back of a trailer truck that can be brought into a flare gas site uh, with a cleansing product that cleans the gas. You run it through a generator that can be as large as 35 megawatt generator, much like a jet engine. And then you hook up to a Starlink uh, connection and you're mining Bitcoin within 16 hours of bringing this truck in. It's a beautiful, uh, a beautiful engineering solution to the flare gas. So Look you're, at us at validuspower.com. So you're mining Bitcoin using gas that's normally just burnt. You see that, that oil wells all the time, they're just burning that up. Instead of burning it up into the atmosphere, you're using that to mine Bitcoin. And that's something I'm going to leave everybody with on this show because that's an excellent use of natural resources instead of wasting natural resources. It's, it's, it's just great. I love it. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for joining us this week for another Bitcoin Boomer show. I think that is so exciting what Greg was talking about at the end there, that we're taking flared gas, that's gas that's normally being burnt, put up into the atmosphere, and we're using that to run gas generators on site, on an oil well site, and mining Bitcoin. That is just fantastic. You're taking a resource that's wasted. It's like hydropower or wind power or sun power. It's a resource that's being wasted and it's being transformed into energy, money, Bitcoin. So that is so exciting to do. I want to thank everybody here at BizTV for all their help in getting this production out. We couldn't do it without them. And I want to make sure you know about a few things we have going on. Number one, uh, Greg had mentioned it, BitBlock Boom, the great Bitcoin conference I run in Austin, Texas. This is our fifth year. It'll be going on for quite a few years, I hope. So if you're interested at all or want to find out more information, go to bitblockboom.com and check it out there. Now, if you're in Texas, Dallas area in particular, you may also want to check out BitBlock Barbecue. That's right, BitBlock Barbecue. Every month we have usually the last third or fourth weekend in the month, we all meet and eat barbecue. It's a great opportunity for people who are Bitcoiners to talk about Bitcoin with other Bitcoiners, or if you're interested and have questions about Bitcoin, you want to ask people about, it's a great place to go and ask people about Bitcoin. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, on Twitter and most everywhere, I'm Gary Leland. Pretty easy to follow. Twitter, Facebook, wherever. Just follow Gary Leland and you'll be able to follow me. And don't forget to share this show with your friends. Tell your friends about it. They need to learn about Bitcoin and we want to help them. You are doing them a favor, I believe, by telling them about this show. Now, if you do have any questions you may want to ask or have asked on the show or for me to find someone to ask, please send them to me at GaryLeland at gmail.com, and I will ask away. I will try to get answers to your questions. If I can't answer them, I'll find someone who can. And the last thing, one more thing I want to make sure you know about, check out the book I've written with a little help from my friends called Bitcoin and the American Dream. And that's at BitcoinandTheAmericanDream.com. So be sure and check out that. It's a great book we wrote last year. Copies have been selling like wildfire. Buy it. It's about an hour and a half read, and you'll enjoy it, I promise you. Until next week, this is Gary Leland, the Bitcoin boomer, saying thank you for watching. 
Thank you for listening, if you're listening to the radio version, and I hope you come back next week.